tonight. Jonah was a Okay, Jonah was prophet. That's right. Ooh, ooh. And, and Nineveh was an evil or good city? Evil city. Now, let me remind you of some of the com- commentators that we had read for. This is what they said of the Ninevites. They would take people out of the desert that they had. They'd captured a city. They would take them out to the, the, the desert. They'd bury them up to their neck. Like, like their neck and down would be buried in the sand, so just their head was sticking out. They would take their tongue, they'd pull their tongue out of their mouth and drive a wooden stake through it into the ground. Uh, and the people would be parched, you couldn't close their mouth, they're in the desert, and they would always go insane before they died. That's horrible. Would you agree? They would, they would the, the, the places that they kept, captured, they'd force family and friends to parade with decapitated heads on poles or pikes around the city. Evil? Yeah? They're like, they're like the orcs in the, the Lord of the Rings, right? You're just like, they, they don't deserve anything. They don't deserve it, it, anything good. And what's interesting, one of the, 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 the third song that we sing tonight had this line in it. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a safe, safe, savior. The hope of nations. I thought, holy cow, what, what a verse that it, 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 it really describes the book of, of Jonah, a place that we would say, man, they don't deserve God's grace or mercy. Where Jonah was like, they don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve a second chance. And, uh, and uh, that whole that song goes on, he, he's might, mighty to save, that God's mighty to save. Um, let's talk about the story, chapters one and two. We're in three right now. But, uh, but God, God says, go, and Jon- Jon- Jonah says, no. no, very good. And then he, um, what's, what's not, he flees to Joppa, gets on a boat. God sends a storm. It b- barely stays afloat. Y'all are doing well. Because the sailors fear the Lord, they throw Jonah overboard. Very good. Uh, and next part, and the waters that were angry and strong immediately become oh so Ah, oh, I love calm. Uh, and verse five, poor old Jonah begins to flail until he's swallowed by a, or big fish, or big fish. <laughs> uh, in the belly of the fish where it doth stink, Jonah finally begins to think. Ah, that's pretty good, isn't it? This is, that's the one. He commits his life to God once more and the great fish hurls him onto the Ah, oh, look at you. How you're reading my notes. That's good, right? Okay, there's even, it gets better. So you just, you're like, he thinks we're five. But then inside you're going, but I love it. Okay. <laughs> we're going to be in the book of Jonah, chapter three, verses one through five. That's the backstory. That's sort of where we've come from. Jonah has been running from what God has been saying for him to do. God has been pursuing him and disciplining him. And God, don't forget, he disciplines us because he loves us. Uh, if, if he didn't love us, he would let Jonah run off and would nev- never have anything to do with him again. But he's fighting for him when Jonah doesn't even know that he needs to be fought for. We see that Jonah gets to a point where he hits rock bottom where the only place that he, he's in the belly of a fish. The only place he can look is up, sort of, in the belly. He is in, the, he is in bad shape, no, no hope, but he finally relents from his anger, his 
hatred and his rebellion. In chapter 2, he he turns to God and says, God, you are the one who's in control of all things. You are the Savior. You are in the end. He ends it. You are where salvation comes, and I will follow you and do whatever you say. So that's where he gets to. That's a beautiful point in his life where he gets to this point because he just sort of surrenders himself. So that's where we're at. Tegan Rooney is going to read the scripture for us. Tegan, do you want to come up here and read? Is this mic on still? Yes? Check. Let's see. Please. So we're going to be in, in, if you're going to stand with us in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Well, I think we'll have the words on the screen as well. Do we have this mic on? Oh, look at that. Throwing stuff on the ground. It is on. All right. So let's, let's read, uh, uh, follow along, 1 through 5. Go ahead. Take it. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. All right, let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word uh, and just for the truth that is found in your word, uh, that there is hope for all, that you can do things we can't even dream of. So God, help us to, to understand your word tonight uh, and understand what it means for our own lives. Uh, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, have a seat. Has anyone ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Yes. It's an older movie. It's got Bill Murray, right? And, and he's in it, and the, sort of the gist, I haven't seen it in a long time, but he wakes up, alarm clock goes off at the exact time, he hears this thing on the radio, it's all the exact same stuff, uh, and then he goes through the day, and he, he ends up, I, I think he goes back to, he goes to bed, he wakes up, it's the start of the exact same day, and he's got to learn how to do the day right, he's doing it all wrong, he's got to change all these things that he does and start to d- learn to do the, the whole day right. That's sort of the way, if you've not seen the movie, I just sort of gave some of it away. I won't tell you the, in- the ending of it, but um, this right here is Jonah's Groundhog Day, Jonah chapter 3. If we're going to look, the exact same thing John, get, that God says in J- Jonah 1, 1 and 2, he says here in verses 1 through 3, to Jonah. It's like a do-over. Have you ever been in a spot where you've, you've messed up and you're like, man, I wish I could just have a, do, a, 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 a do-over? Sometimes you switch, can I just start this day over? I blew up at someone I shouldn't have. I said some, 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 something I shouldn't have said. I did something I should not have done. Man, I wish I could start it over. Anybody? I think we, 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 we can all have days like that. This is a do-over for Jonah. It, it's a it's uh, you messed up once and you messed up bad, but God is a God of second chances. So, so the first thing that we see here is a second chance. There's going to be four things we see in the text. First thing is a second chance. And there's a spiritual principle that we, we, we can see in this text. And that, that is from chapters one through three, we see this. Death brings life. This is a spiritual principle. Death brings life. Jonah's been here before. He ran away from God. He was mad. He, he, he was furious. God pursued. He hit rock bottom. He turns to God. And in turning to God, for him to turn to God, the hatred that he had, the 
anger that he had, the rebellion that he had, you know what he had to do to that to turn to God? He had to kill it. Do you understand sin in your life? You know the way you deal with sin in your life? If you, if, if, if you need to get right with God, what you've got to do is you've got to kill that sin. And by that death, it brings life. And it doesn't just bring life to Jonah. As we see in the story, it brings life to a whole city. So you killing the sin in your life doesn't just affect your life. I want you to understand that. It affects everybody around you in your life. Do not miss the opportunity here. Look at Colossians chapter 3. If you know, that's the New Testament. I know we're in Jonah, but and I've, I think I've got the words on the screen, so we'll have them on the screen as well. But it's a book written by Paul, uh, and it's one of the, the smaller books that he's done, Romans, 1 Corinthians, second, and then there's a group of four books, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Girls Eat Popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. See, G-E-P-H, Girls Eat Popcorn. That's why, I don't know, I, as, as a teenager, I like girls, I like popcorn. That's how I remembered it. Um, so, if you want to know where it's found in the Bible, G-E-P-C. Anyways, Colossians, verse 5, this is what it says. Paul writes, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is you want something that's not yours. I know no one in here has ever dealt with that. I've never dealt with that. Um, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is com coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. See that you have put off the old self with its practices. So he's saying, hey, put, you got to put to death these sins and these things of the flesh. Put them to death, and you put those to death, and you put on, look in verse 10, and having put on the new self. Okay, so we put to death that, and we put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on then, verse 12, uh, as God's cho chosen ones, holy and, and beloved, com compassionate hearts. Have you met someone with a compassionate heart or with kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So he's saying these things, these sins, these things that are against God, put those to death, and this is what you put on. That you, you're loving, you're compassionate. Look here in verse 14, and above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect har harmony. Now some will say, hey, see Pastor Dan, we just got to love, love people. We can't tell them what they're doing is wrong. We just got to love them. It says right there in the text, above all these things, put on, put on love, which binds it all together. So I'm just going to love people, and I'm just not going to, you know, we shouldn't judge them. We shouldn't get on their case about stuff. Let's just love. Love is love, baby. That's a, that, that's a word and a term that's been stolen by our world, and it's the way they use that is not the way it's intended to be used. I want you to write, look in verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. You know what we're called there? If you say, so yeah, we're called to love, but we're also called to do this, teach and admonish one another. Hey, I love you, but what you're doing is wrong. A close friend, um, 
you can say these words to him. Are you, you stupid? Do you know what you're, you, you're doing? What you're, what you're doing in this relationship with this girl or this guy or what's this, this friendship where you're talking bad about him or whatever, that's against God. You need to stop. That's, that's love. We teach in admonish. Admonish means re, to rebuke. Bust them upside the head in love. You're like, ooh, I don't like being busted upside the head. No one does. I don't like to be called out. And most time when we're called out, we're defensive. But after we've thought about it a little bit, a lot of times we come around. So don't, don't get caught up in that love and love. So, so isn't, isn't you know, that death to life, we see that theme in the gospel, right? Jesus Christ lived a life without sin, died as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could, we could be made right with God. And through his death, we are given life. Galatians 2.20, if you don't know this verse, know this verse. It says this, and let me just get the start of it so I can get it wrong. For I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, that, that death, his death has brought us life. So understand, second ch- chances, this theme is throughout the word of God. A lot of times it's death, but we got to put the, the, the sin that we, we struggle with. And for some reason, you're like, man, I've got this sin and I just, it is killing me. I want you to know you're not alone. Uh, I want you to know that many have been where you are and many are where you are. And they don't like being there, and it's not a good place to be. And the best way to overcome sin, when the Word of God says, confess your sins one to another, it says that with a reason. And you just don't confess it maybe to a large crowd of folks that you can't trust, and you're not sure what they're going to do with it. But the people in your life that you trust, that you look up to, if you can't talk to them about a struggle in your life, it's going to be hard for you to ever put that, that sin to death. You've got, and boy, that's hard. It's pr- your pride. Your pride begins to get in the way, but what are they going to think about me? You know what they're going to think about you? If they're a believer in, G- in Jesus Christ, they're going to think this. Yep, they're human just like me. They're in need of God's grace just like me. They're in need of me to be kind just like I need everybody else to be kind to me just like me. So second chance is death to life. That's what we first see in the text. Second is this. It's interesting. The first time that God tells him to go to Nineveh and call out against it. He uses the exact same words this time in, chap- in, in chapter 3. But, but he says this, with an addition on the end, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it, the message that I tell you. Now all of a sudden God's going, I don't want you just to go there and tell them they need to get right. I want you to tell them exactly what I want you to say. Interesting, he sort of cl- clarified his terms there. So right here we see a specific command. Hey, I want you to go there, but do it exactly like this. And the word of God has these commands for us as well. I've worked in youth ministry for quite a long time. Are you still with me? Yes? Okay, we're in the book of Jonah. Don't forget, we're going to work through this text a little bit. Jo- jo- Jonah, uh, not Jonah. I've been in youth ministry. I'm not as old as Jonah. Um, uh, <clears throat> for for t- 20-something years I've worked with youth, and because of that, they tend to ask me, uh, those that I've gotten close with, ask me to do their wedding ceremonies. A lot of times they ask me, uh, I I, I do the old dad joke, they go, hey, Pastor Dan, would you marry us? And I go, ah, I don't believe in that, I'm already married, you know, and they're like, (laughs) 
Some of you don't even get it. So, um, uh, so I've, done, I've done a lot of them. And this is what I say when they first come up to me and ask me. Uh, I, I will talk to them on the side and go, I just need you to know that if divorce is in your vocabulary at all, if it's something that it's an option for you where you go, oh, yeah, I think this is, you know, I'm going to try this. Please don't ask me to do your ceremony. I also say, you know, uh, purity is important. And I know that we all struggle in a lot of ways. But if in your relationship right now to when you get married, if you can't practice purity and it's not important in your relationship, don't ask me to do your wedding. Why, why do I say that? Not because I'm, I'm uh, holier than now. Because I believe this. If you can't practice purity before you're married... I'm not really sure you're going to do it after you're, 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 you're married. And faith, 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 faithfulness to, to your spouse. There's just truths and we need to honor God. So th- these are some things I say beforehand. These are like, th- th- this is the rules. It's specific commands that I, that I give if I'm going to be a part of it. Because I, I want to help you out. In the wedding itself, we're in a, a place much like this church a crowd much like this, staring at me, looking like you're about to fall asleep, just like this. And uh, I will say to the groom, um, repeat these vows after me. I'll do it to the bride as well, but I'll do the, gro- the groom first. The guy's called to lead, uh, right, and protect that, that woman in the relationship. So, so this is what I say to the groom. You've probably heard these words before. I groom, take you bride. I don't say that. I say their names. To be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, uh, to, to love and to cherish, as long as we both shall live, as God is my witness, I give you this prom- promise. Oh, that's a lot, right? So, so, but I do it in bites, like uh, to, uh, to have and to hold. And they say to have and to hold. For richer, for poor. For richer, for poor. Now, if that groom always said, for richer and not too poor. And I said, well, for better, for worse. And he goes, for better and best. And then I said, you know, in sickness and in health. And he goes, in, 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 in health and like, like really, really good health and not getting sick much. Would we like keep going with the wedding? What would we do? The bride would pop the tar out of that guy. He'd be down. He'd be out for the count, right? Why? Because there was a specific, that vow, can I, can I tell you? Wedding vows are important. That is important. A wedding, you are in front of God. You're in front of your, your, your soon-to-be spouse. You're that bride, that, that, that groom. You're pledging before God and before the witnesses in that room. My life is theirs, and I'm going to honor them and honor God in this relationship. Don't miss that the day that you get married. Don't think, well... I'll fix them when we get married. They got, you know, and they, everybody's going to have falls, but you aren't going to fix anything. What you see in a lot of ways is going to be what you get. I'm sorry, sweetheart. You are hoping, you know. But vows are important, specific commands. If you don't follow those, you miss out. So we see, we're, we're look, God gives us a specific command command in, in, in script, scripture for you and me right now. It's found in Matthew chapter 20 verses 19 and 20. This is what it says. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. That's just one of the specific commands God gives. It was one of the last things he said to his disciples on earth, and he says the same thing for us. We've got to command, just like Jonah, to go. We've got to command to go. It could be across the street. It could be across the hallway by your locker. It could be on the sports field. It could be at your workplace. It could be in your home. You know, just to speak the truth of who God is. So, so we see, and what's crazy about this text, so we see a second chance. We see a specific command. Third thing we see is a, a, a simple charge. Who wants to there? A, a simple charge. He doesn't go around and say a whole lot of great stuff. Do you, did you see what he said in the text? Look, look in verse, verse three, three. Well, what, what, don't, don't miss this part of the text in chap, chapter one, uh, when he got the word from God to, to, to go and to do and to go speak, it says that he went down to Joppa, right? He went down into the ship. He went, then he went down into the belly of the ship to sleep. Spiritual condition, down, down, down. Verse 3, it says here, he hears God speak to him, and he arose. Spiritual condition went to Nineveh. When you follow God's commands, no matter how hard or how you feel about it, when you are honoring God, spiritually you are rising in your walk with him. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So he rose, he went there. His message isn't complex, it's not witty, it's not entertaining, and it's sad that churches in America a lot today have gotten to be where like, like, man, the guy just didn't hold my attention enough. Are we really giving the word enough weight? I, I, I would hope to be a great pr- preacher of the word, but above that, you know what I want to be? Someone who's just faithful to speak what God's word says. Let me just do that. Everything else is gravy. Doesn't convince, doesn't encourage, doesn't persuade. This is what he says, yet 40 days and you, you boys are toast. It is, is essentially Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now we don't know if that's the only thing he says. That's all it says in the text. It doesn't mean that's the only thing he says. That's just the gist of what he said. Okay. He probably said a, a few more things, but that's the gist. It's like us going uh, to our friends and going, Hey, you better be sanctified or chick, 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 chicken fried, right? And they're like, what are you talking about? And you're like, turn or burn, sinner. Oh, you better get right. You're going to get, 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 get left. He's coming back. It's, it's that type of phrase that he's saying. It's just that it, it's harsh, right? Hey, you better get right or you will be overthrown. So don't miss this. Our command to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, Father, Son, of the, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I've comm- commanded you. Can I tell you, our command is as, as simple as his? Because you're like, well, Pastor Stan, how am I supposed to, do, how am I supposed to really share the, the gospel or, or God with someone I mean, what, what in the world? I, I don't know how to do that. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. 
wait, I think I might have heard that before. For the wages of sin is death. What? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, right? That, that, that's point one alone. We all sin, we all fall short, and we all need help. We can't fix it on our own. Point one, simple. Point two, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever, right? Do that, you'll freak out people. It's good. They need to be freaked out. Believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. That's the good news. We are without hope. God makes a way through his son, Jesus. And it's not just a way. Jesus himself said, I am the only way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to Father but by me. But by me, right? So you understand, we're sinful. Jesus is the only way. Y'all been in this youth group a while, a lot of you. You've heard, you're like, Pastor Dan, I know this. I know. I want you to know that you know it. And then you can go on with, uh, Romans ten nine. If we, you could say, and we don't go over this in agree. If if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. In the verse, verse thirteen, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? For all who call on the name of the Lord. So what does that mean? Know you're a sinner in need of help. Understand that Jesus came to save those who are sinners. And we must put our faith and trust in him and he will save us and forgive us for our sins. Point one, point two, point three. Simple message. We're not called to convince them. We're not called to persuade them. We're just called to tell them. And if it doesn't, you're like, man, I'm just not good at it. It's just not working. It's just you being faithful just to tell them. Let me just talk about God. Hey, where were you this week? What what'd you, well, I was at church. You go to church? Yeah. It's pretty cool. I've been go, going there for a year or two or been going there for five years. I'm part of a youth group. You should come sometime. That's starting a conversation. Do, do we get that? And that's not the end of a conversation. That, that's a start. You know, that's where you want to. And then sort of, you know, my life was changed. And they're like, what do you mean your life was changed? That's all you got to say. Gosh, dude, my life was changed. Give them something where they go, like, well, what do you mean? You're, uh, it was just, it's crazy. Crazy. You sure you want to know? And that'll entice them. Let me tell you, curiosity kills us. So, just like Jonah, understand this we're called just to speak the message and let God do the work. Speak the message, let Him do the work. Uh, the fourth thing we see in the, in the text here is a sincere change. Uh, what's beautiful in verse 5, all it says, it starts off with, and the people of Nineveh believed God. Wait. The people who buried people in the desert up to their necks and stuck their tongues on stakes so that they would go insane? Those people? The ones that put the loved ones of some people, their head on spikes and made them march around town with it? Those people? Yeah. People of Nineveh believed God. It doesn't say they believed Jonah. They believed God. Work of God. That was only a work of God. 
And sincere change only comes when sincere people believe that one, God is who he says he is, and God, too, will do what he says he will do. Man, may we have sincere faith, and may we share our faith with others. Next week, we're going to talk about repentance and steps that the Ninevites took to repent. Because you know what? I don't think sometimes we understand what it means to, uh, to repent of our sins and steps that we can take and steps that we may, we may do. We just don't even know that we do it when we turn back to God, when we say, God, forgive me for this. God, give me strength to overcome this. God, help me honor you with my life. We're going to look at that uh, next week in the book of Jonah. But man, don't miss out second chances. What I love about our God, he pursues us. And though in my life I have done so many stupid things against him, he has pursued me, he has loved me, he has blessed me in ways I could never Im- imagine being blessed. So, so second ch- ch- chances, he gives us a sp- specific um, command. Uh, he, he, uh, what's the thir- third point? Anybody know? Y'all are as good as I am right now. A simple charge. Don't trip. Uh, And then we see a sincere change. Uh, And so, man, let's let's be faithful with a simple message. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for just the chance to um, talk about things that that give you honor. And and God, as as Jonah uh, hit rock bottom and he rose up and did uh, a work for you, Lord, give us the courage uh, to um, put our sin and our our, our sinful na- 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 natures to to death, and God, I, this is what I ask that you'll give us people around us who we can be honest with, that we can speak fr- 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 freely with, who won't condemn us but will love us, but will still speak truth to us, and God help us to uh, honor you with our lives. Um, God, I I want us to. Uh, be a body of believers who makes an impact for you, not so that we can say Mercy Hill's great or that we can say Mercy Hill youth are great. God, we just want to see you are great, uh, and we want the world to know that. Uh, Thank you for every student and adult that's in this room. Uh, In Jesus' name I pray, amen.